Civic Spark is really about showing passionate young people what the reality of climate action looks like. So taking all of these, you know, very passionate, ideological young people and turning them into goal-oriented doers instead of thinkers. And so I think that, you know, really the goal is to create these local champions throughout California and throughout the world. Welcome to Infinite Earth Radio. We believe that in a world of finite natural resources, a smart and sustainable future is only possible by lifting up people and unleashing unlimited human potential. Infinite Earth Radio will not only help you learn from bright, visionary civic leaders who are building smarter, more inclusive and sustainable communities, but you'll discover how you can bring these ideas to your community. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Hancocks and Vernice Miller-Travis. Welcome back to Infinite Earth Radio. This is your host, Mike Hancocks, and with me today is my co-host, Vernice Miller-Travis. Bernice, did you notice that we started to run promotional spots at the beginning of the show? I did notice that, and I wanted to ask, so we're making a bunch of money off this, or is something along those lines, is this fee generating? No, we don't make any money on these spots. We're just interested in promoting great organizations and events that are all about building more sustainable, resilient, and equitable communities. So if your group or organization has an important event, you're trying to promote and would like us to share it here on Infinite Earth Radio, just drop us an email at infiniteearthradio at skeo, S-K-E-O, dot com with your name, contact info, the event or organization you would like us to promote, and two or three sentence plug uh, that you would like us to make. And we will promote worthy and appropriate events, uh, as many as we can, as time allows. Okay, so on with the show. Our topic today is the Civic Spark program, and our guests today are Trevor Wilson and Mitchell DeLeon. They both are Civic Spark AmeriCorps fellows in Fresno, California, working to deploy various electric transportation methods in the San Joaquin Valley in order to improve air quality and bring new economic opportunities to highly disadvantaged communities. Trevor grew up in the middle of Michigan and moved on to Michigan State University, where he received a bachelor's degree in international relations. He focused on renewable energy policy and sustainability. Mitchell recently graduated from CSU Bakersfield, I believe that's California State University Bakersfield, with a Bachelor of Science in Economics and a concentration in Finance. During college, he engaged his fellow students on environmental justice issues in Kern County. Trevor and Mitchell, welcome. Hi, thanks for having us. Glad to be on. Thank you both. So let's start by you sharing with our audience what the Civic Spark AmeriCorps program is all about. Sure. Civic Spark is a governor's initiative AmeriCorps program by the local government commission in partnership with the governor's office of planning and research. Civic Spark AmeriCorps fellows work to build capacity for local governments in California to address climate change. Fellows complete 11 months of service working on a variety of climate change related projects from developing climate action plans, increasing electric vehicle infrastructure, to completing greenhouse gas inventories for cities. You can think of us as foot soldiers for local climate action throughout California. Yeah, and I think more uh, abstractly, Civic Spark is really about showing passionate young people what the reality of climate action looks like. So taking all of these you know, very passionate, ideological young people 
and turning them into goal-oriented doers instead of thinkers. And so I think that, you know, they're really the goal is to create these local champions throughout California and throughout the world. Um, and I think local champions are really defined by as doers rather than thinkers. So, Mitchell, let's start with you. Tell us about the moment when you decided you wanted to become a Civic Spark fellow. And then, Trevor, if you could follow with that same answer. Well, I graduated from college, as you mentioned, last year in June of 2015. And during college, I grew increasingly passionate about climate change and the disproportionate impacts of climate change on disadvantaged communities. Having lived half my life in the Central Valley and another half of my life in the Philippines, climate change is an incredibly personal issue for me. And throughout college, my theory of change centered around advocacy and grassroots organizing. And I saw Civic Spark as an opportunity to identify different leverage points to take action on climate justice issues. And so when I learned that my primary focus for Civic Spark would be water, then I knew that it was a perfect opportunity to take action. Excellent. Trevor, can you answer the same question? Tell us about the moment when you decided you wanted to become a Civic Spark fellow. You know, I hadn't really been very involved in climate action prior to this fellowship, but, you know, it really wasn't a very momentous moment when I decided to become a Civic Spark fellow. I wasn't really sure, you know, I had graduated once before. I hadn't been getting any interviews for jobs. And so this job came very late in the game. I had applied for it, I believe, a week before the deadline. So um, at the time, it really just seemed like a job and something that I could just move forward with. Little did I know how much impact it would really have on my life. Um, at the time, you know, I decided that not only was this going to be a really good opportunity to move forward with a future in climate action, but it was a really good way to sort of expand my horizons and move all the way out to California and learn about different parts of the country and of the world and how they deal with climate action. So tell us about the process of, of applying and getting selected. Is it a is it a rigorous application process? Are, are there a, a lot of applicants? What percentage of folks who apply get accepted? That, that kind of thing. What can you tell us? You know, in my experience, it was a very quick process. You know, I believe that I think it was two weeks from that I applied to the time I got accepted. So, you know, you submit an application online. And then the following week after that, I had four interviews all you know, within one week. So it was a pretty quick turnaround time. But it's a very, you know, it's a pretty easy process. And the interview is a really more of a get to know you. Um, so you have an, have an interview with your area lead, which is Kristen Wraith at Local Government Commission. Then you have an interview with your regional coordinator. Then you have an interview with your project partner, which is the person you actually sort of conduct your work with. So most of it is really just a get to know you stage. I think maybe the first two is a really sort of what decides whether or not you're capable of being a fellow. Um, then after that, it's really figuring out where you fit best. I don't know exactly how many people applied. I think last time I asked, it was somewhere between three and 400 or so. Then 48 fellows are accepted. So it's a pretty exclusive program. Mitchell, was, was your experience uh, applying any different? The interview process was similar to Trevor's. Through the interview process, you are then placed in specific projects for local government beneficiaries in one of the eight regions. Gotcha. And so so then tell us, so you get accepted into the program, and tell us what it's like to be in the program, what kind of orientation, what kind of training, how much work you're doing on a regular basis, and how long the experience lasted. I guess uh, starting with you know orientation, 
we had a very, very cool orientation. So we actually went to a Redwood Forest and, you know, somewhere in the Bay Area. But it was uh, it was about a week long. You learn, you know, it's kind of a preface of climate action in California, different AmeriCorps policies and, you know, your your general orientation stuff. But then you also really get a chance to um, engage and start to build relationships with them. You know, they're not just coworkers. They're much more than that. I think that's part of what the orientation is designed to do is to create these relationships between one another. And then after that, you know, it's it's a pretty rigorous workload. You're not just an intern, you know, you're I think you're more than just a fellow. You have pretty autonomous work that there is plenty of help available for you. You know, you have your area lead, your regional coordinator, your project partners all there to help you if you need it. But it's really quite, I'd say it's as independent as you make it. So, you know, I think Mitchell and I are quite independent in our work and we really go out and make a lot of our our work selves um, instead of really just kind of taking tasks like intern work. So it's quite substantial and it's a really, really great transition from college into your first, you know, full paid job. And uh, Mitchell, do you have anything you want to add to that? I do want to say that for 48 fellows working in eight regions across California, the eight regions are North Coast, Sacramento, Bay Area, Central Coast, San Joaquin Valley, Los Angeles, and Southern California. And each Civic Spark fellow has at least one local government beneficiary. And a local government beneficiary will then fill out a capacity assessment before our service year. And in that capacity assessment, the local government beneficiaries identify you know, their familiarity with specific state policy mechanisms on climate change, you know, identifying support for climate action from other city staff, elected officials, and community members, and their level of understanding on climate change issues and previous training received on tools for addressing climate change. And based on that capacity assessment, Civic Spark fellows then complete a gap assessment. Through this gap assessment, we are able to review existing policies for climate change at a local level and interviewing stakeholders. Through this process, we then develop specific staff development and project development goals that we'll be using throughout the year. And so the the, the time commitment is, is a full year. It's 12 months? It's 11 months, actually. 11 months. Got it. Great. Thank you. So what are some of the interesting specific projects that you're each working on? Uh, one of the projects that I'm working on is the Water Energy Community Action Network San Joaquin Valley, or WeCan San Joaquin Valley. WeCan San Joaquin Valley is designed to reduce overall water use in the Fresno region, specifically in the cities of Fresno, Clovis, and Reedley. The program assists residents in disadvantaged communities to overcome the burdensome cost of replacing water-thirsty lawns with water-efficient landscapes. Homeowners can receive per square foot or up to $1,000 with WeCan rebates. And if they combine the WeCan rebate with a state's save our water rebate and city's rebate per annum, homeowners can receive up to $2 per square foot or up to $2,000. And reducing outdoor water use is really the low-hanging fruit when it comes to water conservation with significant long-term impacts. More than half of urban meaning non-agricultural water demand, is for residential use, and often greater than 50% goes to outdoor landscaping. So outdoor water use can be reduced by as much as 75% with improved landscaping techniques. Trevor? You know, in addition to working on WeCan, 
Another really cool project that I'm working on right now is assisting businesses in the San Joaquin Valley with applying for a grant that's administered by the San Joaquin Valley Air Pollution Control District. Basically, this grant will give businesses funding to install public access chargers and electric vehicle chargers. And, you know, I think that a lot of these businesses, they don't necessarily have the time or resources to go forward with a full application process. So having me there to help them with it, to recommend different charging stations, to show them all their options, it's really crucial in getting these chargers on the ground, especially in the downtown area of Fresno. There's a lot of, a couple of businesses downtown that I'm actually helping right now to acquire these chargers, and that will really establish a much more complete grid of electric vehicle chargers across the valley. Um, and that will take care of any range anxiety that you know, potential EV drivers will have. So having had this experience, what's next for each of you? Where do you see this taking you? What's your journey? It's a great question. The fellowship ends in September, so I've recently begun the job search And I'm really looking for opportunities that allow me to implement projects that both mitigate and adapt to climate change. I do have to say that I'm fortunate to live in a state where we are actually leading the country in terms of climate action on a statewide level, greenhouse gas reduction targets and other targets such as achieving over 1 million electric vehicles in California or water conservation targets are often established through a top-down approach. However, implementing projects to achieve these targets can very widely and can often be dependent on the local political landscape. So after Civic Spark, I hope to continue to be on the front lines of local implementation while also bolstering local and statewide commitments to action. I'm really interested in facilitating collaboration across sectors and ideological boundaries to build sustainable and equitable communities. Trevor, what's next for you? Um, Well, I was recently accepted into a graduate program, and it's a dual degree between James Madison University in Virginia and uh, the University of Malta overseas. So starting in September, I'll be spending nine months in the country of Malta. And then after that, I will complete a three-month capstone project, which I have not decided where that will be yet. But I would like to focus that on electric vehicle deployment. Wow. Mighty impressive. Mighty impressive. Well, thank you very much. So... Tell us how the um, the Civic Spark experience has impacted you and how it will serve you moving forward in your life. I think, Trevor, I'd like to get you to start. I think you, you mentioned a bit that you, you had no idea how much this program was going to impact you. Can you fill us in on that a little bit? You know, it was, it's hard to tell just from an online posting exactly how impactful a job will be. But this one was just worlds beyond what I was expecting. I think that the biggest impact it's had on me is that it's made me much more pragmatic. I think, you know, as I said before, a lot of my knowledge of climate change was ideological. It came from my research in academia. It came from just looking things up on the Internet. But I hadn't had any real practical experience in combating climate change. So this fellowship has really shown me what it's like on the ground and how difficult it is to implement climate action at the local level, but also shows me that it can be done just by one person out here. You know, it takes obviously more than just one, but one person like Mitchell or I can really make a big difference. I think that that's really going to help me move forward so that I have a much more complete understanding of how you actually combat climate change, not just from an ideological perspective, but also from a experiential perspective. You know, I really have that experience now. And how about you, Mitchell? How has this um, Civic Spark experience impacted your life and how will it change the trajectory of your life going forward? 
I think Civic Spark has been really vital to my growth as a change maker. I spent half of my life in the Philippines and the second half in the San Joaquin Valley. Both of my homes face significant challenges in addressing climate change, as I previously said. At times, the challenges can be incredibly disempowering for an individual. But my experiences with Civic Spark has actually allowed me to have a thorough understanding of the climate change policy landscape in California, specifically this in the Central Valley and the varying solutions to the challenges that we face. Working at a local level, you're faced with many challenges in implementing projects to achieve California's greenhouse gas reduction targets. And now I have a better understanding of how to tackle these challenges. And I think of those challenges as opportunities. So what advice would each of you give to anyone who is interested in becoming a Civic Spark Fellow? Would you recommend it to folks and, and any tips or advice on how they can make the most of the experience? You know, I would recommend Civic Spark to anyone, but especially I'd recommend it to college graduates who aren't particularly sure about, you know, exactly which field they want to go into, which path they want to take. I think climate action is for everyone. You know, climate action really involves every type of, every field of work. It involves every major in college. You know, it it really is an overall problem to tackle. So I would recommend it to anyone. But advice I would give a future fellow would be to really get active in your community and start making connections early on. You know, if I had known the same, the people I know now, if I had known them at the beginning of the year, my life would have been a lot easier and doing this work would have been a lot easier. But really just to start going out there and making face-to-face connections with people in your community um, as soon as you start. Uh, Mitchell, what's your take on that? What advice would you give folks? One advice I'd give to future Civic Spark fellows and just for anyone that wants to take action is to frame your message effectively. You need to understand how to frame your message to any given community, public agency or employee, elected official or community member. The history, politics, and economy of an area usually dictate individuals' perspectives on climate action. But I don't, I don't think that's a deterrent to getting things done. It can be really frustrating when someone shuts you down immediately if you start talking about climate change. But then you have to ask yourself why, and then you reevaluate, then get creative next time. The success of all of our efforts in the past few months has largely been the result of the support of local champions. We are outsiders, and in the first few months of our service, we are treated as outsiders. So you have very little credibility. So developing those relationships with local champions is absolutely crucial. So our next three questions are what we call our lightning round. Um, We're going to ask you the questions, and we want you to answer with the first thing that pops into your head, short and, and to the point. If you could implement one change or pick one leverage point that would lead to smarter, more sustainable, and more equitable communities, what would it be? On the same note, California passed Senate Bill 535, which mandates that a quarter of the Greenhouse Gas Reduction Fund or cap-and-trade funding must benefit disadvantaged communities. Millions of dollars are available to the Central Valley to Central Valley communities to invest in proactive solutions to climate change that not only reduce our greenhouse gas emissions and benefit our environment, but also have economic and public health benefits. So I think that's a key leverage point. Um, I would give a stronger voice to underserved and disadvantaged communities. You know, the, the issues they face are often at the forefront of our society, and yet we don't really seem to ask them for their advice on how to solve the issues that really impact them. Instead, we only seek expert opinions on how to solve these issues. So 
really asking them how to solve these issues and giving them a voice is what I would do. What one action could our listeners, the average person on the street, take to help build a more equitable and sustainable future? Well, I'm sure everyone says this, but you know, I don't think it's necessarily one action, but instead it's just having a mindset. You know, So like when people go on a diet, they think about what kind of impact this will have on their health, what kind of impact it will have on their diet, um, you know, how am I going to feel tomorrow? How, how does this go towards my calorie count? So having that kind of same mindset about, I think, being a consumer especially. So when you're buying food, think about the water intensity of the food, the environmental impact. If it's possible to take a train instead of flying, do that. Um, you know, just things like that. Excellent. Mitchell? I would say to engage with your local government. Policies and elected officials, policies at the local level can have such significant and long-lasting impacts. If you are successful in the work that you're doing, what does California's San Joaquin Valley look like 30 years from now? It is free of petroleum-powered cars. It is all electric vehicles. Mm. Revolution. Mitchell? I envision a sustainable, thriving, walkable, and equitable San Joaquin Valley where Individuals are empowered to mobilize their communities. Great. Thank you guys very much. Appreciate your time today and look forward to um, seeing how you guys change the world in the future. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having us. I appreciate it. And thank you, our listeners, for joining us today. We look forward to being with you next time on Infinite Earth Radio. Infinite Earth Radio is a podcast produced by Skio in association with the Local Government Commission. To learn more about Skio, the Local Government Commission, Infinite Earth Radio guests, or how you can make a difference in your community, visit our website at infiniteearthradio.com or join us on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash infinite earth radio and Twitter by following at infinite earth radio. 